Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. It was a topsy-turvy, turbulent world. It was a topsy-turvy, turbulent world, a place of cold comfort in 1517, the last week of October, when this young monk, Martin Luther, went and posted his 95 theses against the sale of indulgences on the door of the Wittenberg Church. And ever after, Christians throughout the world, not least Lutherans, have remembered that day, commemorated it, and yes, celebrated it as the beginning of the Reformation. But not everybody is celebrating. In fact, there are some Christians who say this is not a day to celebrate at all. In fact, it's a, it's a day to lament, a day to mourn. There are some who say that the color, the liturgical color for this day, should be purple. You know, purple's the color of Lent. It's the color of, of mourning and lamentation. But it's not. It's, it's red. And what is red? Red is the color of, of the mission of the church and the martyrs. It's the co color of the outpouring of the spirit and, yes, of celebration. We're wearing our red today. Many of you are in the pews, even. Is it appropriate? Why are we celebrating on this day? Should we be? What is it that we celebrate exactly? That's the question that I want to take up in this morning's message. Why we celebrate this day. And in answering this question, to see how you and I can find comfort in our own topsy-turvy, uncertain, turbulent world. So why is it? Why do we celebrate? Well, different answers can and are given to that question. The first answer, probably the most obvious one, is to say that we are celebrating our guy Martin Luther. That's why we're celebrating today, because of his bold confession of faith, his heroic stance when he stood there and said, here I stand, I can do no other. Although as my wife pointed out, the German could also be translated, I'm standing here, I can't do anything else. <laughs> Which doesn't sound quite as confident, right? But here I stand, I can do no other. Listen, that's something that's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating and honoring this servant of God, Martin Luther, giving thanks, being grateful for the ways in which God used him in order to restore a right focus on Christ and on the gospel. There's even a, a tradition within the Lutheran church. The reason our first reading today is from Revelation 14 is it speaks of another angel coming with an eternal gospel to proclaim. There's a strain of tradition among Lutherans that that other angel was none other than our guy Marty. Yes. He didn't fly, so far as we know, but perhaps he is that other angel, the one proclaiming that eternal gospel. No, no, I don't think so. But even so, even so, scriptures do say that, well, listen, Philippians 3.17, St. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. It is meet, right, and salutary that we should look to those heroes of the faith, strive to emulate them, to follow their confession of faith. In that respect, I think it is totally appropriate for us to be grateful for the witness, the example of Martin Luther. But there's problems if we say that this is why we celebrate, that we celebrate this man. Because listen, Martin Luther himself, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, he was a fellow sinner like us. He too had 
feet of clay. And if you don't believe me, look at some of his record, especially toward the end of his life. He said some things that were really abhorrent. It's not our job always to be Luther's defender. That's not the primary reason why we celebrate. And in fact, within the scriptures, within Revelation itself, you think of St. John who saw the vision and he bowed down. He knelt down before one of those angels, one of those messengers of God, was tempted to worship him. And that angel said, no, get up. I'm just a fellow servant like you. Worship God. You know what? I'm 100% confident Martin Luther would say the same thing to you and me. That if we were tempted to any kind of hero worship or cult of personality, he would say, get out of here. Don't, don't worship me. Worship God. He would be horrified if he thought that we were celebrating this day, him and him alone. No, he'd say. Look to Jesus. He's our guy. So when we ask this question, why are we celebrating? We're grateful for Martin Luther. We're thankful for the ways that God used him. But he and he alone is not why we celebrate this day. Okay? So then what? Why are we celebrating? Well, others will say the reason that we're celebrating today is because of the Protestant Reformation. It's not about the man. It's about the movement. The movement that he helped to start. The Protestant Reformation, which has now swept the globe and comprises untold million numbers of Christians. And, and there's definitely a point to be taken here. Because listen... By the time of Luther and the Reformation, there already had been uh, attempts and pushes for Reformation in the church for decades, hundreds of years. Many of these guys just didn't live to tell the tale. There, many of them, were, their lives were taken out. There was a need for reform as too many believers of the, the common Christians were having these burdens placed on their shoulders. They were having salvation and the gift of salvation covered over by all these various and sundry works and deeds that they were supposed to do, all these hoops that they had to jump through. I was thinking about this the other day. How many of you remember the game Mousetrap? I was talking about this with our Roots of Faith class. Any of you remember the game Mousetrap? And at the end of Mousetrap, it had that incredible thing you had to put together where you were trying to get the marble to go through and you had to press this lever and it would go down this slide and you'd do all this stuff and at the end, I guess, the mouse would get the cheese or something like that. Well, that's kind of a picture of what it was like to try and gain God's favor in the Middle Ages. There was this sense that there are just so many hoops that I've got to go through, so many levers that I have to pull if I am going to be acceptable to God. And it all kind of culminated and came to a head with this sale of indulgences, which were essentially a get-out-of-purgatory-free card, although they weren't free. But the idea was that you could buy these coupons. This is before Groupon, right? But they would spread out the news and they would say, these are these, these coupons that you can get in order to free yourself, your loved ones from purgatory, this in-between limbo place. And there was the celebrity of the time, a guy by the name of John Tetzel. And some of you might remember his slogan. He was way ahead of his time. His slogan, his little jingle that he had. He'd say, every time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Ooh. You're like, it's kind of catchy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but Luther, was, uh, he, he was just aghast at this. No, salvation cannot come as a, by means of payment, but simply and solely as a free gift. All that to say, we absolutely should be grateful for the Protestant Reformation. It was utterly necessary to get away so much of that clutter, to restore that focus on the gospel. 
But you know what? There's a trap here, too. If we say that what today is about is, is celebrating the Protestant Reformation. And the trap is this. It's so easy for Protestant Christians to fall into a kind of triumphalism, to say, oh, we got it right. Now, Lutherans don't have this problem, but other Christians. <laughs> now, Lutherans can be the worst about this sometimes. No, we will not boast in our salvation, but we will boast in our potlucks, right? <laughs> We've got our heart in the right place. It's so easy to go into a, a kind of triumphalism, which is just anti-Christian, frankly. But it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that because, frankly, the Protestant Reformation, necessary as it was, in many respects, it does mark a sad chapter for the church. Because what happened as a result of it was a big break in the church Catholic, the church universal. I mean, listen, sometimes, sometimes it's necessary to have a, a limb amputated. Sometimes it's necessary for there to be a divorce. But that in itself is not something that you celebrate. Perhaps you come through with a sense of, whew, we made it, we're still standing, but it's, it's hard. And so to say that the Reformation, and Reformation Day in particular, what we're celebrating is the Protestant Reformation, I think it misses the mark. So then what? Why do we celebrate? You're like, I'm not sure what else is left, Pastor. It's not Martin Luther. It's not the Protestant Reformation. It is neither the man nor the movement. No, the reason we celebrate today, friends, the reason we celebrate today is this. Not the man, not the movement, but the means. The means. What does this mean? It's a good Lutheran question for you. Well, let me explain by way of a story, which may be a legendary story, but that's never stopped preachers before. So <clears throat> the story goes that if you fast forward a few years from 1517 when Luther nailed those theses, fast forward a few years, and now as the Reformation has spread, it has really started to hit the fan. It has really started to hit the fan, and the Pope is incensed, and the Holy Roman Empire is shaking. And so now, now Luther has been called to what they called a, a diet, which is another word for a trial. He's been called to go to this trial. And Luther knows that as he goes to this trial, that he is in all likelihood going to be not only convicted, but executed. And so, the story goes that Luther is riding in his rickety old carriage. He's making his way to the diet. And just imagine, imagine, he feels like dead man walking or dead man riding, right? Just, just slowly making your way. And as he was, and as he was reflecting on everything that was going around him, he picked up the scriptures, of course, and turned, as he so often did, to the Psalms, and in particular, to Psalm 46. And when he read Psalm 46, he read this. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And Martin Luther, who was not only a teacher, a preacher, a theologian, he was also a poet and a hymn writer. And in that moment of reading Psalm 46, he's inspired to write a hymn, what he called a hymn of comfort, what you know as a mighty fortress. Now, it's come to be known later as the battle hymn of the Reformation. But know this, Luther wrote it not as a, a fighting words, but first and foremost, as comfort words. And in that hymn, in its last stanza, it all culminates with verse 4. And in verse 4, it says this, God's word forever shall abide. No thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself 
fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit. Friends, this, this is why we celebrate. Because as we sing in the hymn, God's word forever shall abide. God's abiding word is the reason why we celebrate this day. His word, which remains steadfast, which endures forever. His word, which pronounces you and I innocent, forgiven, and free. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. His word that promises that in Christ Jesus, now God has become both just and the justifier. His word, which says that while all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that he has given us this salvation as a gift in Christ Jesus. This word that though the grass withers and the flowers fade, abides forever. That's why we celebrate. And in fact, Lutherans and other Protestant Christians, they would take this as their kind of logo. You see it on the front of your worship folder today. It's four letters, V-D-M-A. And it's a Latin phrase, verbum domini manet eternum. Taken from Isaiah 40, it says, the word of the Lord abides forever. They knew that that's what they were after. They knew that that's why they could stand fast in the face of persecution and opposition and trial. Because God's word is abiding and abides forever. That's where we stand fast. And that's why we celebrate. And let me make clear to you why that is such good news for you and me still today. Because listen, Luther came into a topsy-turvy, turbulent world. Fortunately, today, we don't live in a world like that. It's nice and solid and sure, right? Oh, Lord. It's only gotten worse. It's kind of interesting. Luther, in his day, he was sure, he was certain that Jesus was coming back. He's like, the stuff that I'm living through, it has to be the end of the world. And Christians today are like, surely Jesus is coming back any day. It has to be the end. Every generation thinks this. Eventually, one generation is going to be right, so maybe it'll be us. But you and I, we live in a world that is so uncertain, that is shaken to its core, to its very foundation, that is topsy-turvy and turbulent. But in this world, we have this abiding word which is steadfast. And not only that, see, Scripture says, Jesus tells us that you who are his disciples, not only is his word abiding, but you abide in that word, see. You dwell in God's word like a house, even as we saw for little Everly this morning. As she was baptized into Christ, into the word who is Christ. So you too who are baptized, you dwell in Jesus. And so that word which abides forever, now it holds you steadfast. That amid all of the chances and changes of this mortal life, you don't have to worry about being washed away like a sandcastle at high tide. Because you know that you are built on that solid rock, that foundation on Christ, the Word made flesh, the Word who abides forever. And as Jesus says, the slave, oh, he does not abide forever, but the Son, the Son, he abides forever. That's the Son whom you dwell in. That's the Son in whom you abide. And if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. You will abide forever. Amen? Amen. And so we are able to say and to pray, as Luther did from Psalm 46, as it goes on. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Because the promise to you and me is not that the mountains will always stay in their place. The promise to you and me is not that we are always going to get nice, calm seas. 
The promise is that even amid the roaring and the roiling of waves, even though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, you and I need not fear. Because we have an abiding word, and we abide in it. When all else fails, as it inevitably will, God's word abides forever, and you abide in it. And that's why we celebrate today. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.